point out this. So just be sensitive. Take everyone here that you spoke to seriously. And after all, she will start to you. You are going to judge many, many people. You are going to judge many people. You want to receive it. Church, good morning, everybody. I hope we are fine and we are good. 
Okay, so we've been on a series for the past two weeks and we'll continue with that series today. And the topic is still the act of infected Bible study. But this time, this is part three. The act of infected Bible study, part three. Last week we made mention of some things as regarding the word, particularly in its ability to give understanding and the fact that we cannot um, we cannot do anything tangibly on this earth without us having an accurate understanding of the word of God. And I want to know how a spirit operates. We have to understand the pattern of that spirit. So we're able to replicate his results. Praise God. Just give us a recap for some of us who were not present last week. We also got to know that the world will prevent you from entering into doctrinal errors and heresies that usually end up putting, putting people in harm's way. And we also saw that when we have the word of God in our hearts, we're able to work efficiently when it comes to consecration. We will strengthen our consecration and it would also enable us to be easier used to by God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, in today's topic, we'll talk about what the Bible is, what, what is the Bible, and the characteristics of the Bible. What is the Bible and the characteristics of the Bible? Next week, we we'll focus more on Bible study techniques and how to receive from the world to apply into modern situations. But today, what is the Bible and the characteristics of the Bible? Praise God. Are we here? Okay. So, if you just hear the word, the Bible, what comes to your mind? If you should hear, if you should hear that you are, if someone should say that I want to eat my Bible, what comes to your mind as a person? Hallelujah. To a normal man, to the natural man, the Bible is just a book of stories that center around some God that is trying to found a religion to the natural woman. That is why their own interest is in verifying whether those stories are true or not. And if they don't, if they don't see it as true, if they don't see, if they don't, if they will subject it to some test. And if it does not really conform to their criteria, they would say that the, that the stories in the Bible are false or are myths. Hallelujah. But that is not the way we should see the Bible. That is not the way we should see the Bible. To a believer, it means something else entirely. And to God as well, it means something else too. So let us like this. The Bible is God's story. Carry it out. The Bible is God's story. Carry it out. In the lives of men. 
the Bible is God's story carried out in the lives of men, nations, and civilizations towards the complete inauguration of the kingdom of God. The Bible is God's story carried out in the lives of men, nations, and civilizations towards the systematic and complete inauguration of the kingdom of God. Are we good? Not getting Okay. The Bible is God's story, like a storybook, carried out in the lives of men, of nations, and civilizations. Are we there? Towards the systematic and complete inauguration of the kingdom of God. It's often been said that history is God's story. History is God's story. And one of the ways we are one of the ways by which we are able to identify that God is a living being who is existing and who is personal with us is by the word. Without the word, there are a lot of things about God that we will likely not do. There are a lot of things about God that we will not do. But the Bible means so much to God. It means so much to him. And there is a, the, 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 the idea behind the Bible is something that he wants us all to have as well, so that we take it very, very seriously. Please go. Remember the first part of the series, we talked about biblical literacy. And how, and how 90% of the global Christian population do not study the Bible. And the reason why they don't do that, one of the reasons why, is because they don't really, really see the importance of the Word of God. They don't really, really see the value that God has placed on His Word. Instead, they see it as myths, stories that once happened but have no relevance to today's society, fables and legends, and all those folklore, basically. But that's not the way the Bible is. So I want to, I want to mention something from two perspectives. The first, perfect, the first perspective will be from the God's side. The second perspective will be from the man's side. So, let us write this. What does the Bible mean to God? What does the Bible mean to God? What does the Bible mean to God? Let us go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. Verse 10. Verse 10. And he said, That's Adam. I heard their voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself in the cross. And God said, Who told thee that thou was naked? And thou written of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. In next verse. And the man said, The woman whom thou givest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did it. In next verse. And Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? 
And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did it. Can go to Nephos. And Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all country, and above every beast of the earth. Upon thy belly shalt thou, shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Verse 40. So if you are looking at this story, it's like as though something happened. But nobody wants to take responsibility. Hallelujah. So everybody is blaming someone. What happened was that serpents seduced Eve to eat from the from the tree of life. And Eve returned, gave uh, gave the food to her husband. And her husband also had the food. Meanwhile, God now saw the situation and wanted to intervene in it. So he now asked Adam, what is going on? Instead of Adam to at least pull up to responsibility, because the way God was doing it wasn't like he was not aware, he was obviously aware. But he wanted Adam to actually repent. But Adam did not want to repent. So instead, he shifted the blame. He didn't take responsibility for sinning. But rather, he shifted the blame to his wife. But if he had what he said, he said that the woman thou gave us me. Point one. So God now said that, okay, it is he that sinned. Let us go to. Let us go to Eve. And God now asked Eve, What is this that thou hast done? And what did he now say? The serpent beguiled me. Point two. And afterwards, God did not even mention anything to the serpent, or rather, question. Why? Hallelujah. How do you think God did not ask the serpent why he did what he did? What do you think would be his answer? <laughs> the God that created it. Praise God. You can see all of them were avoiding responsibility. So they are now pointing the blame of sin to God. Hallelujah. Because the reason God gave if to Adam for a good reason. But Adam did not choose that reason. Adam didn't choose it for. And now that the woman now gave it. And that means that even though he did something wrong, he was unwilling to take responsibility for it. And the, and the woman as well, as she was saying, the serpent, because she was saying that the, this snake that you made, that you made to fall, I made to talk, I made intelligent, he used his attributes to deceive me. So, like, as though God made a mistake by creating them the way he did. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that is something sin continues to do every day. All the time, when people sin, when people deliberately sin, they would find a way to, to shift the blame and to not blame God for doing it. Or they would say that it is the devil that made me do what I did. Hallelujah. That is what people usually ask. That is what people nowadays say. That is very, very distorted view of God. You look at the scriptures, you say that God is a misogynist, God is a racist, God is a slave master. God is weak and spineless because of the occurrence of evil. What is this? What is that? Hallelujah. All of us, at one point or the other, and even now, self, we had, we had some ideas about God that were not true. Hallelujah. And the reason why is because of this thing called sin. We say that how can it be that a great, that a great and powerful God we allow sin to be occurring? On the earth, why we conveniently ignore that it is man that is causing, it is man that permits the evil, 
of the universe, of the heads. Hallelujah. Who kills people? If, who who engages in rape? Is it God that will force someone to go and steal? No. No. But instead, we claim that God can, if God made them, should be able to enable them to not sin. But did that have free will works? That, that, in that instance, free will is non-existent. Because one be programmed to only do good. Hallelujah. And in that case, that means that man will be a robot. Are you getting me? Hallelujah. So, everybody has a distorted view of God. And it's because of the consequences of sin. And what the world has now done is that he has put God on trial. Imagine a courtroom recession now. Anytime a, anytime a case is going on, it's usually because something wrong has happened. Adi. Or Salamidi. If there is no crime, would there be any reason for court? No. So it means that something something that is something um something unusual happened and it and it changed everything. And there's a need for restoration. So imagine that there is a case going on and the person that is being prosecuted is God. Hallelujah. Imagine the person being persecuted now is God and the defendant is the world. Can you imagine? And we're now claiming, and what is the basis for this thing? The accusation is that God is not who he claims to be. That God is not who he claims to be. We see this play out in the trial of Jesus by Pilate, whereby the people were saying, that this man calls himself the king of the Jews. And they were asking him that. They were asking him. They were asking him. They were asking him. And he still gave his answer. But they, cho- but they chose to reject it. For men love darkness more than the light. Because the light will expose their deeds. They choose to remain in darkness. They choose to ignore all those claims that Jesus made. Because they know that if it were true, they would have no excuse for themselves. Hallelujah. Are we getting something? But God not changed the people. Because God destroyed the people. How did he do it? God decided that he would move through different men and different women to, to reveal himself to them. And from this revelation, he will live a life that will be reflective of his glory and not speak of his existence. And he does not end here. Hallelujah. Sapiosi. There's no end here. God now speech. God now planned that in order to ensure that those activities that he did to those people did not go away. Much that if another dimension should emerge, we will forget about it. God decided that he would immortalize all those all those um, encounters those people into writing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Standing in Facebook. What have I said to us, Yes, just a song. Huh? There's my key. You don't want to. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Mankind is very forgetful. Very, very forgetful. For example, say in the water, let my heart not forget thy benefits. God, God will tell, God will do many things with Israel. I will now tell them to write memorial songs. Not necessarily because he just wanted them to just construct the an altar or something. But because he knew that if they should if they were to go, another generation might another generation might arise and might forget about them. That is why the generation if, if another generation should come that will come to the Lord. It's actually an indictment on the previous generation. Praise God. Some of the things I'm saying, I'm saying in passing, but please note them down. Please note them down. That means that if we now, as we are, when we grow up, when we have our families, if our children do not end up knowing God, God is going to shift, God is going to demand it from us. God is going to put us into account. Hallelujah. So what God did, when I decided to immortalize his encounters with those people by putting it in writing, and how he did that, we get to that eventually, but with, 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 with the encounters now written, mankind and the world in general doesn't have an excuse. They don't have an excuse as to why they don't believe God. So it's like the devil has been flipped, and the person who was on trial is not the judge, and the world is not being judged instead. Hallelujah. That is it. Anytime you meet Jesus, anytime you try to, anytime you have. A prejudice against him that is not true. When it comes to you, you might, you might, you might think that you have issues with him, but when it comes to you, you realize that you are the one that actually has issues. Hallelujah. Who wants to see Jesus? I can bet it that when you get him, the first thing that will come to you is the feeling of. When you come to him, the first thing I'll come to you is the feeling of how um, sinful you are. You have a false sense of his holiness. And you'll be so strong that you feel like holding him. Hallelujah. If you don't believe in action, that will say that not so done. John that used to sleep on the breast of Jesus Christ, I was so close to Jesus. And by the time he saw the risen Lord in the book of Revelation, by the time he saw Jesus, he fell down, but like he wanted to die. You want to see Jesus, I know. But that first encounter, you are not going to be the same again. So, God has now turned the table, and man now has been put on trial because of the world. So, all those your, all those um, biases, all those errors, all those misconceptions that we have against God, the truth is that if we think of that asking us why, that word, a good, acts as it will shut down all the excuses. This word. This word. You see why there is a need for us to really, really understand God. And the thing about sin that it tries to create a reality where God does not exist, even though God is still there. And it gets deluded. Romans chapter 1, I think verse 26 or 28, it descends into madness. When you when you, when you when you fall into sin, I don't come back. Time is going to come that you become a mad person. Even if even if you might look normal uh, mentally, but in the sight of God, you are a beast. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Sunday we pray for them. They have these names like this. Praise Jesus. Now that's from the God's side. Have you been blessed? So the Bible, or the word of God, acts as a witness of God's existence. Because without the word, we will not know God any longer. Without the word, we will not even know God at all. Please take time to turn on your experiences report. Take time to write down the, the good and the bad and the ugly interactions that you have had with God. There's a reason why. Because those are the things that would end up serving as your conviction. Those are the things that would end up being a memorial stone. So when you when you have when God has when God does miracles with you, knock them down. When God tells you to do something and you'll be convenient, knock them down. When your encounter with God causes you to die, please not them down. And not just writing for yourself, but for also for the people that will be blessed for you. Hallelujah. I read the story of a man that he wrote his encounters with God and he started showing them to his daughter, to his daughters. And that girl, one of the girls, ended up becoming very strong as a result of the encounters that he had that he had journaled. So please take time to journal your experiences with God. It is very important. So that you don't become forgetful. So that you don't like that. So that you don't be that you go through the same cycle and and be forgetful. Imagine if God is dealing with your patience. And after one delay, you know, you know, you know, you know experience another intense you know experience an intense um, demonstration. And you now decide to continue thinking that God Hallelujah. Praise God. Let us imagine, for example, for instance, that like God has been teaching you on something and he, he gave you a particular demonstration of it. I didn't write it down. A more difficult situation is going to come. And when it comes, I did not notice. You will not be able to behave appropriately in line with your previous encounter. Praise God. Are you getting it? Now let us go to the man's side. What does the Bible mean to us? What does the Bible mean to us? So, in the last ten years, we talked about the kingdom extensively. And one of the characteristics about the kingdom is that every kingdom has a constitution. Every kingdom has a constitution. In the olden days, in the ancient times, land was good. The person who owned the land was the ruler of the territory. And if you wanted to do anything on that territory, you have to meet that person. That person was called a lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. That person was called a lord. And what you will now do is that he will give you a citizenship, so to say. And that citizenship will um, affect your interactions with him. It is the sense that there are some things that you will be able to do, and you will not be able to do any longer. That citizenship defines the freedom of your dealings and movements and activities on that land, on that territory. Praise God. And when I mean land, I don't mean land like this church premises, no. I mean land like like land like the University of Ibadan, for example. Large, large pieces of territory. Like nations. Praise God. So these leaders will give it to different people and they will now tell them that if you want to come to my place, 
even to say on my life, you have to do so so and so. And they will not be written as the constitution. Please God. So that constitution will now say that constitution will monitor your conduct, it will guide your conduct, it will guide your your you will also put it you guide your conduct to one. But with that, it would also put you into a covenant with the Lord. Because that Lord would be literally obligated to do some things for you. To do something like protect you. Hallelujah. Imagine imagine a landlord and a tenant situation. If the land, if anything should happen to your house now, like the door should be faulty, windows should be windows should be open, the next should be torn. You will have a landlord, Abi. Or if there's no water now. You can't make a landlord, right? And the landlord would have to find a way to make water available to you. So also, so also was it then with citizenship and constitution. So if you are willing to abide by the constitution, the Lord will give you a citizenship. Hallelujah. And then in, in Philippians chapter 20, it was said that now we have the citizenship from heaven. From where we are, from where we eagerly await the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ already has a citizenship for us and he has handed it down to us through our faith in it. Praise God. And with the citizenship comes a constitution. So the Bible is our own constitution. The Bible is our own constitution. Who has read the constitution of Nigeria? Who has at least who has read it? Or who has it? You don't have your you don't have your country's constitution. Ah. Hallelujah. Aside from Sister Lamidi, one of us. Ah. Why would you not have your country's constitution? You do. Because they might end up cheating you if you don't know your rights or your privileges. And even though Nigeria is not a normal country, if you're to be in America, there are some things that you have to, that you cannot just do because you, are, you know your constitution. Hallelujah. That is why this um, political leaders usually take advantage of us. Because they know that we don't even read our constitution. So we don't know our rights, our privileges, our obligations, our responsibilities. For example, now, for example, if you get arrested, you're not supposed to stay in, you're not supposed to spend the night in the cell. You're not supposed to be in the cell for more than 24 hours. If not, you are, you are actually permitted to sue the police. Hallelujah. And that instance, sorry I'm talking on crime, but if somebody comes to arrest you, the police has to bring a, they have to bring an official search warrant signed by a judge. Hallelujah. So it cannot now be that I'll be on the road with my phone and somebody will not be asking me to come and give me, to give my phone to him. That is violation of privacy. Hallelujah, you're laughing. But it's actually the truth. 
many of the, many of these things that many of these things that happen, they happen because we are not knowledgeable of our rights as as citizens of this country. So now let anything happen to us. Praise God. It becomes so bad that if if you want that some some appointments cannot come by merit, but rather by tribe or race. I mean not race, by tribe or by religion, not by merit. Hallelujah. So just as in Nigeria where a lack of knowledge of your constitution can put you in trouble, so also is it in the kingdom. If you do your constitution, if you don't depend on very well. You not be able to live maximally as a citizen of the kingdom. Praise God. One of the rights of a believer is that he has full authority over the devil. For many of us are still subject to demonic attacks, oppression, and the likes. One of the rights of a believer is that he has access to a healing. For many of us still force all the time. Let's give you instances. So, the Bible is our constitution, and in it, we have the promises. Those promises are our benefits of being that of being that kingdom. He has the he has our responsibilities, and and those promises as well are God's obligation towards us. Promises, responsibilities, our rights as well as as a member of the kingdom. Everybody has the Holy Spirit in it. Every believer has the Holy Spirit in it. That is your right as a Christian. Praise God. Another example. Everybody is allowed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is for everybody. Enough for charismatics or for Pentecostals, for everybody. Praise God. So, Matthew, which other rights do we have as a member of the body of Christ, of the kingdom? Exactly. We also, we also have the rights to be protected. Please God. We also have the rights to receive daily provisions from God and our Father. Hallelujah. So, another thing, please and please try to check all those scriptures that are for in Him or in Christ or, or for we have peace. Try to note all of them now because all those all those words are all those statements and for past your rights and the promises that God has for you. Because when the, when the authors were writing to people, they were not writing to pastors, they were writing to everybody. So all of us, we should live in that reality. Praise God. Praise God. Have we got to something? So, the characteristics of the Bible, let's go to the next part. The characteristics of the Bible. explain to what I would mention some I want to focus on two the first one 
The Bible is pure. The word of God is pure. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 9. The word of God is pure. Second one, my to fast. So I'm going to say I'm fast. Okay. The word of God is pure. The first one, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9. Oh, sorry. I think verse 3. I forgot about it. Hallelujah. The word of God is pure. First one. Second one. The word of the Lord is true. Okay. Proverbs 35. Every word of God is pure. It is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. The second one. The word of God is true. Jesus Himself said, Sanctify them by your word. For your word is truth. The word of God is true. Anything that God says is true. And they will not lie to you. Faith God says that Christ is in you and is the hope of glory. It is true. If God says that you have the access to talk to him and to call him your father, it is true. It is very true. Do not act like I do. Do not think that it is not true. It is very true. The next one. The word of God is eternal. The word, the word, the written word is eternal. The fourth one, it is unchangeable. The fifth one, it is inspired. We can take that from our Bible reading. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 to 22. Are we following? It is inspired and also it is divinely authoritative. Divinely authoritative. The last one, the Ruchita one next week, it is without error. It is without error. Without error. Praise God. And I want to show you something. I want to show you something. During the when the church was still getting formed, there was a time the books of the Bible were destroyed. Hallelujah. There was a time the books of the Bible were destroyed. Fast forward to the years preceding the Reformation. Most of the Christians there then did not have access to the Bible. But only the popes and the clerics and the reason for, for their own ends. Hallelujah. In those circumstances, it was Satan deliberately trying to prevent people from having the Bible. But now that we have the Bible, Satan's now Satan's view is that he is preventing men from taking time to read their Bible. Hallelujah. So if you are not reading your Bible, and if you are not studying it, I can categorically tell you that you are under the money attack. And you need to find a way to stop it. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Salam, the praise God. I cannot hear you. Your voice should be better than anybody. Hallelujah. If you don't, if you if you're not reading your Bible regularly, or are you studying it, Satan is playing with you. So we should take note of that. Now, after that, I will, I will talk on two characteristics because they're not really, 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 they're not really being mentioned or explained enough, and I want to focus on them. The first one, the Bible is inspired. The Bible is inspired. Now, I want to define inspiration, and inspiration is when an external influence will come upon an object. An extra influence comes upon an object and gives the objects powers, abilities, and movements that it does not have normally. Hallelujah. Inspiration is when an external influence comes upon an object and gives that object movements, powers, and abilities that it does not have normally. The object does not normally have. So, for example, now this chair cannot move. This chair cannot move. But if I now decide to make it levitate, make it go high, I can say that the chair is becoming inspired. An example. All those times when we see the um, different prophets, not not biblical not biblical prophets or not Christians, when we see the people of other religions engaged in their activities and all. They actually inspired, although it's from a demonic source. Praise God. Now, I want to give us a practical example of this. In our church, God, we know. For example, everything I'm saying to you is coming from the Word of God. It's coming from the Holy Spirit. And normally, you do not expect it to be acting in this way to people. Praise God. Or for blessing, this time, you're going to be normal. At least, you, at least you, have, you have been together for a while. This I behave normally. No. No. It means that at this moment I'm becoming inspired by the Holy Spirit to deliver words to you. Hallelujah. And a situation could come. I am talking with somebody. I am talking with somebody, and all of a sudden, the person starts speaking words that. That actually changed the whole atmosphere. And in your spirit, you perceive that this person, what they say, is coming from the spirit of God. In that instant, he is operating from another influence. And that influence is the influence of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. So, going down into context, when we say the Bible is inspired, but that the Bible was created after the means that was not normal, that was not natural. I can write the book and I'll become a bestseller. And then I will do it we'll based on some we'll based on following some principles as regards now to write a book. And I'll also and when I now practice consistently, that book will become a mighty book. Hallelujah. But in the case of the Bible is a different thing entirely. Because the Spirit of God was moving upon men, giving them thoughts, ideas, concepts, and different words that were not in their minds normally. 
our editors pulling it down. Hallelujah. That is what we are saying the Bible is inspired. Look at what Peter said. He said that for poverty did not come by natural mind. But rather men, but rather from only men who moved as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. If you try the spirit comes upon the person that is able to move along. If not, all those things that they are writing, the people that come. Or, can you ima- or do you really imagine that the images, the the right, the, the literary styles, all those things that are written in the Bible, do you think I actually was a normal thing? When someone will write that can a can a mother forget her suffering as a, a suffering child? How does that, that sound to you? Like ah, why would my why would my mom forget to forget me when I'm receiving breast milk? How she forget about me? Or can a nation be born in one day? God. And I think about the inspiration is that when God did move them, He also gave them freedom to express themselves. Freedom in the sense that their personalities, their writing styles were also imprinted in the scriptures. Hallelujah. That is why you see that is why you see that the books of the Bible were written by different authors over a span of 1,500 years. How is that even possible? How many years does it take to write a book? So, and, and a whole millennium, a whole millennium was spent towards the Bible. I know like as though these men knew each other. Yes, some of them were, were associated, but most of the time, they were in different places, they had different occupations, they had different personalities, different temperaments, different habits, different generations, different environments, different places. You can say that the Bible is not normal. And yet, everything still converged upon one person. Hallelujah. See that Trinity and that moment. You know, like I said, there was any error, so to say. That is why you will see that if they are reading the Pauline epistles, you see that this man, the author was an intellectual giant, that he actually knows what he's saying. And you now with the book of John, you see that this person. A very simple man. I now go to Jeremiah. So that this person just likes being, I mean, not, doesn't like, is a depressed person. A melancholy character. Hallelujah. God gave the writers their permission to express themselves. And you see different you see different languages and vocabulary is also being used in the, in the Bible. Praise God. Are we getting it? Now, how did the expression even come? That is that I don't even know. But the way God speaks to men was the way He spoke to them then. And they will not pin it down. Through dreams, through visions, through encounters, through utterances, through the thoughts that came to their mind, these men were receiving different, different things. And they were not even fully aware of what they were doing. At that time, but what were contributing rather? Praise God. Praise God. You can see why you take the Bible very seriously. And you may assume that, okay, because men wrote the Bible, 
there will be errors in that Bible. I feel like as though those people they would have put in their own um, conceptions about the Bible. I mean, they would have put in their own conceptions there. The fact is that even though that could happen, it will not happen because God is the God of quality control. Hallelujah. God is the God of quality control and He's a God of excellence and He has a standard for Himself. The way the Bible is, like Azul was God Himself that wrote it down. But he can't, normally He can't do it directly because He's a spiritual entity. And in this place now, He doesn't have a body that is able to write the Bible. The way he now did, was that He moved in the house of people and the way He moved in there, He guided them. Hallelujah. He guided them. So the thoughts that were coming to them, it came not from themselves, but rather from the Holy Spirit. All those ideas that they were receiving, it came from the Holy Spirit. They could not move left or right. That's what Jeremiah would say that Lord, your word is like fire in my bones. Like if I try to keep it to myself, I can't because it's burning me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stafford, God be blessed. Be blessed. Stafford, precious. Be blessed. Praise God. Second one divine authority. Divine authority. The Bible claims divine authority in the sense that it claims that it was God that would define How? If you read the Bible, you will see several instances of men saying, And the word of God came to me. The, uh, uh, my tongue is the pen of the ready writer. And the other Lord upon me. In those instances, they claim that it was actually the Spirit of God that was doing something in them. And they were fully aware of what was going on. And it was, it was God that was looking at them. Hallelujah. Normally, some prophets, some paganistic prophets, where they would do it is that they would claim to enter into an atmosphere whereby a spirit will come upon them. And when it now comes upon them, they will, they will, their, their faculties and their mental ability become suspended. In the sense that they do not even know that they are doing anything at all, and just something like a robot. Look at, look at something now. Oh, look at that two chances. Two chances. I can bet it that they are conscious of what they are doing. You know what they are doing. You know what they are doing. They don't like as though they have forgotten themselves for people and treat it just telling them to look like this, look like this. Or to speak out the authority they are speaking. Yes, he is, but they also have a liberty to respond. All that is needed for them is just to you. For many a times, the place gives way. Praise God. Praise God. So, with that divine, so as the prophet were writing those things, what they were saying was that this thing, it did not come from me. It came from another person, and if you have to do it, it's not a And the leadership, it was also 
determination to the people of that generation. And they needed that authority so that those people would end up believing in them. And the Lord now confirmed it by signs and wonders and different things. Praise God. Praise God. In that time that they were living in, there were plenty false prophets. Plenty false prophets that were misleading the people of Israel. But what God decided to do was that he would separate his, he would separate his prophets from the false ones by, by moving upon the original prophets. And it even got so bad that if God if you received a call and you were inspired to write the Bible, the books of the Bible, after you have written it, and maybe when you die, that book will go to a register. You go to a register. If you were if you claim to be a prophet and you wrote something, your book will not enter that register. That means that God is saying that this person I did not give him this ministry. Praise God. I can't remember the exact chapter of scripture, but Moses was told that Moses should bind up in bind up in law, the works of the law, and put it in the act of the covenant. Same thing for Sabo and for the other prophetic writers. As they're writing their as they're writing their ministry, after they finished writing, they put it in the act of covenant. Actually, but I started from high. Then after Malachi, the last Old Testament prophet. The period of Israel was in a period of darkness, spiritual darkness, up to the time of John the Baptist. Praise God. For 400 years, there was no book written that came to be inspired of God. That means that God did not bring in any prophets to speak for him at that period. Hallelujah. Sister Lizzie, praise the Lord. Are we getting something? I have the feeling that we're not getting it. Thank you, sir. So, we have noted that with that divine authority, we can be absolutely sure that God was the author of the Bible. I mean, let us even think of it. If you call yourself a manufacturer or a producer, you want to put your brand upon your product, right? So when people now say that the Bible didn't come from God or whatever, why would we, why would we not expect God to put his own brand or label upon 